Today's case talks about an unbelievable series of events that happened in Brazil in 2008. That year, a hostage situation was televised practically 24 hours a day on nearly every TV in the country. The criminal knew everything the police were planning against him, and worst of all, he got the police to send back one of the victims he had already released. That's right. The police sent one of the kidnapped girls back. As a Brazilian guy, I can tell you lads, this case is unbelievable. This is the story of Eloá Pimentel's kidnapping. Hello everyone, I hope you are doing alright. I'm Fabio Carvalho and this is the Mystery Archive Project. Follow us on the streaming platform you are listening to now to receive notification whenever a new episode comes out. To see the photos of this case, just follow us on Instagram at mystery underscore archive or on our YouTube channel. Now, let's have a good look in today's case. In 2008, in Santo André, São Paulo, Eloá Pimentel was 15 years old. She was a student, friendly, fun, and someone who many said could not see the meanness in people. She was born in Alagoas and moved to São Paulo with her family as a child. Ana Cristina, her mother, worked as a cook in a daycare center and her father, Everaldo Pereira, was a security man. Eloá had a younger brother as well, named Douglas, also a student. When she was in her early teens, age 12, she met a boy who became her first boyfriend. Lindenberg Fernandes Alves, born in Paraíba, was 19 years old, seven years older than Eloá. He and his family moved to São Paulo when he was around two years old. He used to work as a pizza delivery guy on weekends. Due to the age difference between the couple, Eloa's parents wanted to meet Lindenberg in person. They talked to him, introduced him on rules that should be followed, and everyone reached an agreement. In 2008, after two years and seven months of dating, and several ups and downs in the relationship, Eloa, now 15 years old, decided that she didn't want to date Lindenberg anymore. This was because he was proving to be a very jealous, aggressive person and she didn't see any hope for a future with him. Testimonies claim that Lindenberg was a stalker and once even beat Ilua when he found her at the bus stop. Monday, the beginning of the kidnapping. On October 13, Douglas, Eloa's brother, came home in the afternoon and realized that he had forgotten the key inside the house when he left in the morning. But he knew that by the time Eloa had already arrived from school, so he knocked on the door a few times. Nobody answered. He then sat on the steps of the building to wait for Eloa or one of his parents to arrive. He stayed there for a few hours and at the beginning of the night, Everaldo arrived. 
As he approached to open the door, Lindenberg yelled from inside the apartment. Don't open the door! I'm armed! I'm with Eloa and three of her friends! Get out! Desperate, Everaldo decided to call the police. Those friends of Eloa were Victor, Nayara and Iago. They were there to do schoolwork. Earlier, when Lindenberg had arrived to the apartment, he had been surprised that more of Eloa's classmates were there. Lindenberg immediately asked the boys to go to Eloa's room. There, he slapped each of the boys and asked them to speak in low tones so as not to alert the neighbors to what was going on inside. Later, Eloa was attacked with slaps, kicks and hair pulling. Lindenberg kept saying to everyone he had gone in there to kill Eloa and kill himself. During the first night, someone passed by the apartment door. Lindenberg, thinking it was someone trying to enter, shot at the door. Ensuring the safety of the neighbors, the police ordered that the residents of the nearby apartments should not leave the house and those outside should not enter. The apartment next door was used as a base for listening to Lindenberg's conversation with the police. In one of these conversations, Lindenberg asked to talk to Eloa's mother. I'm not releasing Eloa. If she won't stay with me, she won't be with anyone else. She's not leaving here alive. In another conversation with the officers, he was even more aggressive. If you knock on the window, on the door, if you make any noise, I will kill the girls and I will kill myself. I'm good to shoot, bro. I have a body bag here, bro. I'm not lazy. I'm hitting my girlfriend. I'm not your girlfriend. Shut up. Ow. Shut up. That same night, the boys were released. At dawn on Tuesday, Lindenberg attacked Eloire again in her bedroom. Nayara was tied up in the same room. She couldn't see anything, only hear. Tuesday, the release of Nayara. Outside, they were awaiting numerous vehicles, cars, helicopters, police and TV vans. The channels reported every step of the police actions and even broadcast the arrival of guns. Lindenberg, Eloa and Nayara could follow everything from inside the apartment, sitting on the sofa watching any TV channel. In the afternoon, out of nowhere, Lindebeck put the gun in the window and fired towards the street. No one understood why, but no one was hit either. The cops thought they were going to beat Lindenberg out of fatigue, so they decided to cut the power to the apartment at around 4 p.m. However, that did not help. At 5.25 p.m., Lindenberg spoke on the phone very upset. Turn on the fucking light there, bro. I will, I will, but let's talk. Turn on this fucking light there, or I will start hitting them. They will suffer. And look, pay close attention. With slaps, kicks, and hair pullings, Lindenberg kept hitting the girls. At around 10 p.m., the power was turned back on. Police say this was an agreement for the exchange of Nayara's release, 
which took place 15 minutes later. However, Nayar informed later that her release was not just an exchange of favors. Before the release, Lindeberg spoke on the phone to her father, saying that he would have a second chance to be a father, as Nayara had previously mentioned to him that the two had not seen each other for a year. She believes he did it because his father wasn't present either. Free from captivity, Nayara gave some details of what's going on inside. Lindenberg, fiddling with Eloa's cell phone, discovered a new friend of hers named Felipe, and that was the reason, in a rage, that made him earlier open the window and shoot. Wednesday, the television stage. The case became a major national story and its press coverage was huge. Many say to this day that this media attention played a huge negative role in escalating the case. The press paid a lot of attention to Lindenberg. The situation was not taken as seriously as it should have and became awkward when some TV show hosts got a contact number and spoke directly to him. The cameras interfered with police actions and all the attention boosted the kidnapper's ego. The police were getting impatient. Lindenberg, is everything all right there? Who is it? We are a friend of the family and we want to know if everything is okay, that's all. Who is it? Lindenberg, I am Luis Guerra, all right? Who is Luis Guerra? I am a reporter for Sonia Brown. Ela is with you, right? How is she? Wait, she will talk. Put her to talk to us, please. Hello, who is talking? Luis Guerra. Reporter for Sonia Brown. How are you? Is everything alright? Yes, it is. I want lunch. I'm so weak. And seconds later... Do you want to send a message to your mother? I want to know how she is, how my family is. I want to send a kiss to my mother and my father. I want to tell my mom that I love her and my daddy too. I love him. This was a short excerpt from a recording that lasted approximately seven minutes and was shown in full throughout Brazil. A reporter, completely unprepared to make any kind of conversation or interference with the criminal at the time he is actually enacting the crime. At the same time, Lindeberg was reaching an indescribable level of power as he knew he was the center of attention across the country, as well as always being aware of everything that was planned to be done against him. Because he didn't allow anyone to come near the door at all, after the food in the house was gone, they started to receive food through a rope of bed sheets that Eloa threw out the window. The police tied up the food and Eloa pulled the rope back. Thursday, the return. On Thursday morning, Nayara was woken up by her grandmother saying that there was a policeman at the door to pick her up and take her to a location near the kidnapping to help with the negotiations. In statements, Nayara said that between the options you go if you want to go or you have to go the latter was more accurate. 
The agreement Linda Bag made with the police was that Douglas, Elwa's brother, would go up to the first floor of the building, wait on the stairs, and Elwa would go up to the second floor. As soon as he saw her outside the apartment, Lindenberg would give a hand to Nayara. With the other hand, he would bring Eloa. So all of them would go out together, meeting Douglas downstairs, and everyone would head to the main street. He believed that this was the way he would be protected from the policemen's sights if they tried to do something to his life. Nayara was only 15 years old, and no one from the police asked her parents for permission for her to do this. She says that she has not received any restrictions on how to be careful when approaching the apartment, they also didn't make clear the risks, and they had not even asked her if she really wanted to do this. She was just caught and put back in the situation as particularly demanded by Lindenberg. On the phone, Nayara was talking to the kidnapper as she climbed the stairs to the second floor. I can't see you. I'm waving here. Can't you see me? No. Go up higher. Get here to the door and Eloa can hold hands with you. Upon hearing this, Nayara realized that Lindenberg was no longer fulfilling the agreement because he was the one who should hold hands with Nayara and surrender. However, at Lindenberg's request, she was getting closer and closer to the apartment. The door was opened and from outside, Nayara could see Lindenberg pointing a gun to Eloa. Then he said, Give her a hand. As soon as Nayara entered, the door was locked. In the media, it was possible to see Lindenberg being placed on the pedestal, with them asking him to calm down, asking him to send a message to family members, and even asking him to let the girls appear at the window to let them know that everything was fine. Lindenberg, if you are watching us, please ask one of the girls to show up at the window and make any sign to show us that everything is fine. The media interference in the entire process was, as I said, unbelievable. The news even warned Lindenberg of the crimes he was already responsible for, remembering that he was following everything on TV. Do you think this information would put him at peace? The penalty for kidnapping is from one to three years, but kidnapping of minors is from two to five years. Let's see then how the situation will be in relation to what he will have to answer for what he has done so far. In one of the TV comments, a lawyer said he was optimistic and hoped that everything would turn out well. I'm very hopeful. I hope this ends up in a future marriage between him and his, his passionate girlfriend. This will really have a happy ending. I'm absolutely sure of this. Could this really end up in a beautiful marriage? On Thursday night, Eloa suddenly freaked out and began to break the objects in the house. Lindebag told her to calm down, grabbed Nayara's neck and pointed the gun at her head. At the time, the police realized there were no agreements to be fulfilled by Lindebag and they decided to intervene. 
they asked to be sent a shotgun that arrived in the middle of the night and that was also shown on TV. Friday, the end. On Friday morning, Lindbergh insisted on knowing who was responsible for the breakup. Eloa said that the only person responsible was himself, with his jealousy, manipulation and bad attitude. And do you remember the rope made by Eloa? In one of the times the food was delivered, a document was also sent. It was a kind of letter, a contract, made by a public defender who was already responsible for defending Lindenberg. In that document, it informed him that he could turn himself in and that nothing serious would happen to him. At the 5.35 p.m., Lindenberg had the last conversation with the police. There's a little angel here saying, don't do that. And next to me, there's a little devil saying, do it, don't let it pass. And there's a little angel and a little devil here. The little devil is telling me, do it, go ahead, bro. Don't stop. Clearly tense, Lindbergh dared the police to break into the apartment, which is what he would have been waiting for. After a few minutes, the police officer discreetly commented with others close by that Lindbergh's words were that of a suicidal person, which was confirmed minutes later by his own words. I don't have the will to live anymore, bro. I don't have dreams anymore. Before I had a dream, Dream of having a family, dream of having a house, a car. I don't want to have anyone anymore, bro. I don't even want to have Eloa anymore. There's a month trying to forget about her. There's a month trying to go out, have fun, distract myself. But I don't care. Something's saying to me, take it, bro, take it. And finally... Give me a break, I need to be alone. I don't want to see anybody. Okay, then. Lie down and rest for a while, okay? Okay. Four minutes later, the police blew down the door. After the explosion, it was possible to hear four shots. The police took 15 seconds to get into the apartment. Lindenberg fired the three remaining bullets from his revolver at the girls, but the fourth shot was fired by the police with a rubber bullet. He didn't shoot the cops. Nayara managed to leave, alone, wounded with a shotgun wound to the hand and face. After almost two and a half minutes, Lindbergh was dominated by a policeman. He tried to resist arrest, but then two other policemen held him back to try to immobilize him. The time between the explosion and Lindbergh appearing outside the apartment was approximately three minutes. In the image, it's possible to see a doctor trying to reach the apartment, and on the way, he finds Eloa carried off in the arms of a policeman. Eloa was shot once in the groin and once more in the head. Police said that they only broke into the apartment when they heard Lindbergh fire the first shot. However, in testimonies and interviews, Nayara says to this day, that Lindbergh only shoot after the police blew up the door. The press and all the journalists who were nearby also claimed that they only heard shoots from inside the apartment after the police action. 
Nayara was the first to arrive at the hospital and was without risk of death. Eloa arrived a few minutes later, unconscious and in serious condition. She went straight to surgery and soon after went into a coma. Eloa died the next day. Approximately three and a half years later, in February 2012, Lindenberg was sentenced to 98 years and 10 months in prison for Eloa's death and 10 other crimes committed during the kidnapping. A Brazilian filmmaker named Livia Perez produced a short 25-minute documentary called Quem Matou Eloá, or Who Killed Eloá. In this documentary, they analyze the case from the perspective of violence against women and how the media and the police left Eloá in the background. This documentary is available on YouTube with English subtitles and I will leave the link in the description below. In an interview with a TV program, Police officer Marcos Duval, who at the time thought SWAT, traveling the world teaching invasion, combat techniques, has trained security for the Pope at the Vatican, and military personnel who fought in the Afghan war, analyzed the action of the police and pointed out some errors in the operation. First, they let the negotiation last for five days. In SWAT, the maximum period is 24 hours for the hostage's release and added that it was never necessary for them to wait so long. Second, the police missed some opportunities to finish the situation faster. In a few moments, Eloa would appear at the window to pull food. She would lean over and Lindenberg would appear behind her. At other times, he appeared alone at the window, being an easy target. However, the police did not accept this because they believed that they would try to beat him out of fatigue for being a young man with a disappointment in love and without a criminal record. For SWAT, it doesn't matter if you are a young person or an adult. What matters is if there is a life at risk. Third, Nayara's return to captivity was the greatest absurdity of the actions analyzed. Marcos also states that nowhere in the world, until that date, this had already happened. In a situation like this, having Nayara talk to the kidnapper, there should be a ballistic police shield in front of her, or on her side, controlling the proximity and retreat distance. But by no means they would have her alone walking and open the apartment door. At this point, the kidnapper may have felt powerful because he had a hostage back. And Marcos still concludes, it was a very serious mistake. Fourth, the amount of explosive was excessive and they did not expect obstacles behind the door that prevented the quick entry of the team. Because of the explosives, there was a 15 seconds time lag, which was used by Lindenberg to act. In this case, was shooting the girls. Fifth, they did not enter simultaneously through doors and windows using lights and sound bombs that would leave the kidnapper disoriented. Lindenberg would have no idea where the police were coming from if they had done that. And sixth, Marcos also point out serious failures in helping the victims. The doctor alone could not get through the tumult of the police in the hallway until arriving at the apartment. 
can bring information to the public and interviewing the kidnapper at the time of the abduction be considered a right to information? Does this right come before the right to life? Leave your opinion in the comments and I will see you in the next case.